good day, good night, and welcome to good World Cup today. I'm so confused. It's been, what, three weeks, almost four weeks of daily shows, and what a game, Belgium and Japan. First of all, Dwayne's on the line this morning. Good morning, Dwayne. Good, good morning, Kevin. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not quite uh, soccer today time again, although later this week we'll probably uh, revert to a little soccer today when we have some downtime for the first time in a, in a while, but uh, certainly an exciting day to talk about today first. Exactly. Uh, Belgium, Japan. What a game. The Blue Samurai gave us a fight, gave us two goals to, to put Belgium on the ropes and to open up this game, and Belgium... Who knew that their uh, <clears throat> two best players, Fellaini and Shadley, would rescue them? Yeah, no, what a game, really. I mean, that's, uh, I don't know, uh, skill-wise, uh, tactics-wise, whatever, whether it was the best game I've seen. But, you know, they, the, that comeback was, was something to, to behold. And you haven't really had a great World Cup until you've uh, had a comeback. And I believe it was... Was it the first one? For, yes. It's definitely the first multi-goal comeback. But yeah, it did a pretty amazing story. In the history of the World Cup, this is the first ever two goals deficit in the second half that's overturned for a win in regulation. Yeah, we've had it in this. Which is, you know, it's one of those weird stats you sometimes get. The, if you're an MLS listener, you know the Portland Timbers are famous for giving, you know, this is the first time the Timbers have scored a goal in the 38th minute assisted by a guy with his left foot like they get stats like that on a wednesday that it's more than 22 degrees fahrenheit or whatever <laughs> yeah exactly it's a yeah. stats can may be made to say what you want right yeah no precisely but that said i mean what that stat is ultimately saying is that uh, this is a rare thing this is not something you see every day and it's something that uh, that it was enjoyable to watch and i mean uh Forgive me, there's, I'm by, I have to be uh, on location today, so if you hear the background noise, there's a little traffic, but we'll, we'll, we'll work through that. Um, yeah, it's, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great moment, really. It was a great moment in this World Cup, and uh, for early in that match when Japan got that 2-0 lead, I'm not going to lie. I mean, we all like to see the underdog. We all like to yeah. see the upset, but, but we've had a lot of upsets already, and I was kind of not ready to have a good team go out. <laughs> Especially one of the contenders, right? And if you go with the now famous 20-year rule, 58 uh, Uruguay, 78 Argentina, France in 98, you need a new team to win the World Cup in 2018, and there's only, what? Okay, fine, there's Switzerland and Sweden there too, but there's Croatia, Belgium, Colombia, uh, uh, Switzerland and Sweden out of the team that are left that have never won the World Cup. So Belgium is one of the contenders, one of the, the favorites in that group especially. But yeah, I I still had a feeling, even though uh, halfway through the game, my uh, TV lines and internet lines melted. This is why the show is not live. We're recording it, uh, as always, and the video will be up later today. Uh, literally, it was 40-something degrees Celsius, and I guess internet lines are not made for to, to sustain that amount of... There's like thousands of people around my area that our lines are melted so thank you very much uh, tv provider for for making me miss the second half but uh thank god for dvr and for uh, alternative means to watch the second half well precisely yeah kevin's uh, weather is a day behind mine so i know exactly what he's talking about and it was uh it was nasty stuff a couple days ago so yeah it melted the lines but yeah, you missed a good one live for sure. And uh, I, I was after there have been a couple kind of d- 
dull games. And I'd even include the first game of the day kind of in that. It was yeah. pedestrian. Well, the first I mean, 30 went, minutes were crazy, though. Like, I was exhausted watching Mexico-Brazil for the first 30 minutes. Mexican press, the, the play was so fast. I think it was the highest tempo first 30 minutes I've seen in this World Cup. And then it just died out, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> and then they had no more energy. Well, this is similar to the, the start of the uh, Denmark game, this week, the Denmark-Croatia game, where we had chaos for 10 minutes, and then then the fun police got involved, and the heat got involved. And, uh, you know, we don't think heat... Just like we don't think Montreal is ever going to get hot enough to melt Kevin's CB lines, you don't think Russia is ever going to get hot enough to affect the game. But the reality is, you know, whether it's um, global warming or whether it's just it's just hot, uh, it's it's pretty hot. Yeah, it's it's becoming tropical in here. So uh, good. But no, let's just continue on Belgium and Japan. The way that goal, that that uh, winner at the 94th minute. That dummy passed by Lukaku. I kind of hoped that he would he would get the assist on that, but he didn't touch the ball, so he doesn't. Monier does. But still, that play, that wherewithal to know you have Chali coming in your, your back all alone. You know it's your last opportunity in this game, and you scored. But let's go to the Japan side in the same play. It was off a corner on the other side. And the thing is, on the corner of the other side, it's the 90th minute late in extra time. Japan has withstand a onslaught of 30 minutes of Belgium throwing everything at them. And Japan must have known that, look, we can't stand 30 minutes like this in extra time anyways. We're going to get exposed. We're going to get scored. So we kind of have to take this corner as our last ditch opportunity and try to get something out of it. So they sent everyone almost there, leaving like one man in the back and the goalkeeper. And they got caught on a counterattack for the winner by Belgium. Yeah, and look, I'm not going to... You can't criticize them too much because you're right. They they probably assumed exactly that that the likelihood they did like a you know cost benefit right like the the cost is that we're going to be open up if they get a break. The benefit is that we could win this game almost instantaneously, and it were unlikely in their mind to to last the full 30. So they they pushed forward. They also probably figured you know there was what a 10% chance Belgium was going to score on a break. Really, that's probably statistically yeah. speaking. Probably, probably, well, what is it? One in 11, one in 11 corners are, are resulting goals for the attacking team. Um, I think that if you look at the stat, it's like one in 20 results in a counterattack goal the other way. Like it's, it's a fairly high scoring opportunity, but it's, uh, but it's not necessarily uh, the most high scoring opportunity for the attacking team that you think. But at any rate, they made that calculation and it killed them. The only thing I'm not going to, the only thing I'm going to be critical of, it's not critical of them. It's going to be the reaction of other uh, managers who are going to play this even more conservatively because what I've seen yeah. in these stoppage or these extra times so far is these teams are just like basically going, okay, we'll take the coin flip. I say that flippantly because we know penalties have skill involved, but it is more of a coin flip than just trying to play the game uh, outright. Yeah, and if you're in Japan, it's all well and good, the penalties, but you had to get there, and 30 minutes of onslaught by Belgium, again, must have been a bit too much of a task to, to either face. But again, Japan gave a great, great battle. Of course, uh Thibaut Courtois wasn't, uh, wasn't having his best game, like he's not having his best tournament. Uh, two of the best keepers in the world, technically, De Gea and Thibaut Courtois, are not having their best World Cup at all. De Gea has one more save. When, you know that De Gea only has one more save than I do in the World Cup level. Uh, well, yeah, we, we picked him for our Golden Glove, which... Uh, nope. Maybe not, but <laughs> yeah. But again, for Thibaut Courtois, I was watching him play and it was not bringing confidence but 
the second half of Belgium. That confidence booster of coming back and that momentum high. Is it big enough to maybe give you an opportunity with confidence to face Brazil in the quarters? Because that's the, that's the matchup now. Two of the favorites of this World Cup are facing each other in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and that side of the draw is, is really worked out in terms of, yeah, we talk about all the upsets in this World Cup, but if you look at that side, Uruguay, France, Brazil, Belgium, that's not exactly not chalk, right? So, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's fine, too. There are two great matchups there, and you get a compelling uh, finalist against them likely. But, uh, yeah, you know, the momentum thing, I don't know what momentum means in a tournament like this. I mean, all these teams are basically very good at this point, and they all have their own level of momentum. Brazil, you know, outside of the draw against Switzerland, which with Switzerland, we're going to find out today, could be a quarterfinalist as well. Uh, have yeah. really played. Maybe maybe that's your final, Switzerland-Brazil times two. Oh, God. <laughs> But yeah, don't, no. Don't it, go there. It, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to think it would. I mean, when falling behind two, you, you feel confident at that point if you're Belgian that you could overcome, and that's that's important in a short run like this. If this was just you know a Tuesday night in Stoke, so to speak, and they can't, you know a better team overcame a weaker team to to win that game, you know, use the old cliche, and I guess I'd be talking about the championship now if I'm talking about Stoke. So uh, in Wolves, uh, it's a. Uh, it wouldn't mean much, but in this particular case, yeah, maybe it does because there's a lot more intangibles, a lot more sort of luck outside the box kind of stuff that play into a uh, to a, um, a, a World Cup run than, than a league run. So, so yeah, I do think it matters. That said, Brazil, the longer this goes, Kevin, the more dangerous. The more you start looking at Brazil and you start going, probably. <laughs> All right, let's go there. What's the difference between Neymar and a tumbleweed? Uh, tumbleweed doesn't get hurt as much. Tumbleweed stops rolling even sometimes, you know? <laughs> That's yeah, a big difference because, man, oh, man. Uh, I'm not the kind of guy who likes to belabor the point. Oh, he's diving, he's embellishing. He's like, but this was too much. Neymar is really, really adding way too much uh, of this rolling around thing. And if you're a referee, if you ever taken a referee class or just a student of the game, or just played the game, or just played sometimes with your friends, when you fall, especially if you run and you fall, you don't roll. You brace yourself. You, you land. You try not to make it worse. You don't roll like a tumbleweed until you're stopped by, ah, this was a joke. And I, I'm really starting to find Neymar's reactions to barely touches, to barely tackles, to just embellish it, trying to, to milk it for what it's worth. And it's working half the time. And I don't know, this really rubbed me the wrong way. And it's, it's Neymar. It's one of the biggest names on the planet of soccer, of football. What do we do with this? Well, I mean, I guess the first thing we do about this is we acknowledge that we're looking at this through through North American eyes. And if we were looking at this through Latin eyes, uh, we'd probably have a different view of it. And, and this plays out anytime you have a diving conversation and, and there's like a worldwide audience participating in it, you'll find that there are cultures out there that look at diving much differently than we do. We look at it as cheating. And a lot of places in the world, they look at it as a tactic. And if it works, then good. But you're right. I have my life, Kevin, I, I've played a lot of sports growing up. Um, 
I'm relatively clumsy still into my, my uh, old age now. So I fall in a lot. I never have fallen in such a way that causes me to roll. I, I don't even know how that happens. Uh, even on, when I played hockey and I got hit, you don't really roll when you get hit hard. You just kind of go poof. You collapse. Down on the ground. <laughs> you just, yeah. you fall down. You bleh, you collapse. Done. And, and that's my point is it's become a meme now. And KFC has already done a commercial with a guy rolling around. And while he rolls around, it goes around the entire planet and he ends up at a KFC and then he gets up to order, you know, took 24 hours. Well, so it's, it's that that I'm not that I'm worried about, but maybe it's just me and I'm tired of always answering that question to barely soccer fans. Like, yeah, I don't like this sport. You say dive. I'm like, first of all, they dive in every sport. Second of all, I don't disagree with you now. It's, I don't know. It just left a bad taste of my mouth. And it's just Neymar. The rest, like a Suarez doing a bit of a thing and just, all right, fine. When you, you, you mask it a bit, you disguise it a bit, and it kind of works, kind of makes sense, fine. But when you're doing it, like the guy, Lozano barely touched his damn ankle when he was trying to pick the ball, and Neymar reacted like he got shot with a BB gun between his eyes. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a couple different factors at play here. I mean, get uh, legitimate criticism about how they feel that it, it makes the game look cheap. Um, and what makes the game look cheap is a couple things. You're right, they do dive in every sport. Like basketball, for God's sakes, they flop on pretty much every play. Yeah. Um, that's part of the sport. But they don't, they don't pretend they're mortally injured. And, and that's a big difference there. Because beyond just trying to draw foul, they're also trying, trying to draw cards. And that adds a different level to this. It's like in basketball, to, to use that example again, it'd be like they're trying to, to convince the, the referees that it's a flagrant foul every time as opposed to they just touched my hand. No one is like rolling on the ground, grabbing their hand when it gets hit with a hand check in basketball. And, and so casual fans see that and they, they look at it and go, well, who are these people? And, and why are they? And they're bad at it too. Like, I don't understand how referees, I don't think they fall for the I'm hurt process part of it, but yeah, <laughs> but they do get the fall call a lot. And here's the other problem with it too. And I say this all the time to people when they complain about the call being made. It is possible to dive and it actually to be fouled legitimately, but embellish that foul in such a way that that it causes you to just look at the embellishment. So I don't know what the answer is because, as I said off the top, the sport is viewed slightly differently in different places. I don't think there's quite the same amount of desire to stamp it out in a real way like there is here in parts of the world where the sport is ingrained in, in a much greater way. So without that will, and that will would include penalties, significant penalties to the, the people that that do it, without that will, it isn't going away because as I said, it can be an effective tactic. Now, uh, talking about Mexico for a second, Dwayne, there was a big surprise in the starting 11 of Juan Carlos Osorio yesterday, and that was Rafa Marquez as a sweeper just in front of the defense. And one of the only players not pressing at all, Brazil, because Rafa Marquez is getting old. and like, old. keep your energy. But you know what? When they took him off at halftime, that's when defensively they got caught. That's when defensively they weren't as assured as when Marquez was playing that role. And you know what? Juan Carlos Osorio is known to pull rabbits out of his hat. 
He did. And the first 45 minutes, it, it could have worked. It's too bad that Mexico pretty much didn't create one goal scoring chances, even though they were penetrating Brazil's defense pretty easily in the first 30 minutes. Yeah, well, Marquez is, you know, arguably Mexico's greatest player in history. So, you know, this is a skilled guy. Uh, put aside your, you know, your Red Bull memories if you're an MLS fan. This is a, a great player that still has a lot left to give a team, and that's why he would have uh, been providing that opportunity. But as you say, uh, things change now. Now, part of that is just the, the opponent. And Mexico, you know, I don't think Mexico was eliminated from the World Cup uh, so much against Brazil as they were, you know, in that performance against Sweden. Sweden, yeah. Right? They yeah, that, that's why. They would have got a lot of an easier draw if they would have beat Sweden. They well, would have they got would have Switzerland. Switzerland. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Switzerland and Mexico, that way Mexico played, I would have fancied Mexico. Who knows? We'll, we'll never know the answer to that question. By the way, the games of today, Sweden, Switzerland, in just an hour and 15 minutes. By the time we record this, by the time you listen to it, it's probably going to be done. And Colombia, England, this afternoon. Do not look for me after 1 p.m. I will not be able to respond to you because I will be busy. <laughs> Fair enough. I will be busy as well, uh, but I'll be having watching that game a little differently than you, I think, today. But yeah. Uh, nonetheless, yeah, it's you know, in terms of Mexico, what do you say? It's another World Cup with the exact same results. So, pr predicting against Mexico finishing in the round of 16 is a bit like that famous quote about the definition of insanity, right? Yeah. Same, same, same thing. Expect different result. <laughs> definition of insanity. Always do the same thing, but expect different results. Yeah, the Lehman's exactly. definition of insanity. Dwayne, I want to finish the show today. We'll keep it tight today. Uh, I have a lot of things going on. I need to go fix the TV lines outside, so <laughs> we're trying to fix that. I want to tell you a story that came out yesterday, and uh, not a fun story, and it's kind of a sad, and it explains maybe a bit the performance of not the whole team, but of uh, John B. Mikel on the last group match of Nigeria in the group stage. Before the tournament, Dwayne, uh, John Obi Mikel's father got kidnapped coming back from a funeral in Nigeria. He was tortured for a week. He's in the emergency room as we speak, getting treatment to try to, to make a full recovery. He was kidnapped by, by kidnappers, and the ransom was directly made to John Obi Mikel. One of his family members told them, look, uh, we have a number. You need to call this. He calls it, and like, yeah, you have to give us a ransom or we're going to kill your father just before the World Cup. It's not the first time we hear those stories, but it's always a shame. And for me, it's just, how do you even want to put your mind into a football game when your father is being tortured halfway around the world? Well, of course not. And look, this, as you say, um, this is not the first time you hear these stories in parts of the world where poverty is, is common. Um, and you have this extreme example of wealth and, and high-profile wealth. It's a target, and their families become the target, not them, because they know that the player himself is going to be surrounded by more security, more attention, much more difficult to do. So this is an unfortunate reality in a lot of the world, and you don't just see it in, in football. Um, a lot of the baseball players from Latin America uh, have the same thing. It's why they you know, often will move them, their entire family, and people kind of judge this a little bit. They think, oh, why do you have this massive entourage? Well, it, part of it's stuff like this, right? Like they're trying to protect the people they love and the way they do that is to surround them uh, where you are. And it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, and exactly. It's, it's how can you focus on a World Cup when when you've gone through this and you're not sure how your father's doing and you probably feel yeah. a lot of guilt. Yeah. And yeah. Guilt? Sad. Worry? Uh, 
ter- terrible. Imagine if you never know what can happen, right? And of course, your mind goes to the darkest of places and you can think, well, maybe he's already dead. How do I know he's not? And I guess that's that's a big problem. And I'm not going to say the name, but if you follow my day-to-day coverage of regular shows that I do, you might know who I'm talking about. But the goal is not to single him out. It's just to... Argentinian players do have the same problems sometimes. And some players that decide to play abroad keep a very low profile. Even abroad, uh, they don't try to leak their salaries or trying to tell MLS, don't, don't leak my salary fully, you know. Get some, uh, keep, keep me some, some, uh, some secrecy around what I make just to make sure that my family is safe. Yeah, no, and I, if you follow Kevin, you know exactly who he's talking about there, so we won't say the name, but precisely. And it, it's, I think, something we don't think of uh, over here, again, when we talk about the difference between cultures and how people perceive things, we don't necessarily consider that. We just want the information. Well, why can't you tell us how much this person makes? A lot of factors around that. Yeah, and those factors are sometimes more important than sports. Like, if I have to choose between the life of my fiancé and uh, full disclosure of my salary, guess what? Choice is not that hard. Fair enough. All right. Quickly, to, quick last thought. I happen to be by the uh, Toronto International Airport right now, Pearson. And as we're recording this, I look up in the air and uh, a Belgian Airlines flight just landed. So take that as an omen, uh, an omen if you want. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Belgium has landed yesterday in the quarterfinals, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not making that up. You can't make that stuff up. Is that belt? It is. Wow. You don't see it a lot here, but anyway. No, you don't. Uh, that's a, that's actually funny. We'll keep it short today. As always, you can follow Dwayne on social media at 24th Minute. Myself at Kev Larme. England's playing later tonight. I'll be at the pub. Maybe we're going to do a show today. We don't know. If the internet's better, maybe some sometime later tonight we'll uh, we'll come on and talk about uh, Colombia, England, if my nerves allow me to do so, which I'm still not sure. I don't know. This... It's going to get warm in that pub, and it's going to get warm in my heart. Fair enough. (laughs) 24th Minute for Dwayne, myself at Kev Larme. We'll be back shortly with another podcast. As always, you can find the podcast versions of our show at sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Anywhere you get your podcasts, live videos, youtube.com slash sportspodcastingnetwork. And as always, until next time, have a great soccer.